entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders, that you, by the way, so you can inspire others. My guest with me today is Dr. Roger L. Firestein. Hi, Roger. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Marty. Good to be with you this morning. Well, I've been looking forward to this. I read this great book that you wrote. The title of that is Create in a Flash, a Leader's Recipe for Breakthrough Innovation. Wow, that sounds like a real challenge you're you're kind of giving our listeners here. So I'm going to repeat, a leader's recipe for breakthrough innovation. Boy, you better have something to say in the next 20 minutes, Roger. I got you, Marty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, beautiful. So, Dr. Roger Firestein has taught more people to lead the creative process than anyone else in the world. He is senior faculty and an associate professor at the Center for Creativity and Change Leadership at SUNY Buffalo State and president of Innovation Resources Incorporated, which is an innovation consulting firm called the gold standard that's in quotes by the way of creativity training by his clients he has presented programs in creativity to over 600 organizations nationally and internationally ranging from fortune 500 corporations and government agencies to universities professional associations and churches so dr roger firestein welcome to the business builder show so I guess we're going to be talking about the creative uh, problem-solving process. So I guess we'll go back to the beginning. When when did you first get attracted to this uh, creative problem-solving stuff, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> Marty, that's a wonderful question, and there's a story behind that. Right. I actually grew up on a farm in Colorado, and uh, – uh, As your listeners might know, farmers are very creative people because when they're out in the back 40 and stuff breaks down, you have to fix it with some uh, binder twine and some tape and some wire. Mm. But um, growing up on a farm like that, I got to play with in tree houses and build tree houses and rafts. And um, in 1977, I enrolled at the University of Northern Colorado as a music major. And um, I got frustrated. I was playing guitar. I got frustrated with my studies because I wanted to get more creative. And so I started reading about creativity. And I was also teaching guitar lessons at that time. And I found that my beginning students were getting bored with their lessons. And so I thought if I could get them to get more creative, they might enjoy their lessons more. So I began reading about creativity and two names and one place came up consistently in the literature. And it was this place called the International Center for Creativity and Change Leadership. It had a different name in that time. And two names, Sidney Parnes and Ruth Noller. Mm-hmm. Well, in April of 1977, I was actually staying at my parents' house in uh, in northern Colorado on the farm. I got the courage to dial the number of the center out here in Buffalo. Um, I spoke to Sid Parnes at the time, and I was so excited. He said, yes, we have this graduate program in creativity. We have this international conference in creativity. 
Um, and I got off the phone and with uh, I got off the phone and I ran up the stairs and I said to my mom, I said, Mom, I just talked to Sid Parnes in Buffalo, New York. Do you know what she said to me? She said, what? You made a long-distance phone call? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a 21-year-old kid. I didn't know authors were alive after they wrote books. Well, I came back to (laughs) Buffalo in 1977. What do I know? I came out in 1977, um, uh, went to the Creative Problem Solving Institute that still is going on today in Buffalo, attended a graduate course, went back to Colorado, was on fire about this whole study of creativity. Came out here, uh, got my uh, Master in uh, Creativity and Change Leadership in uh, 1979 got a doctorate in 1987 and consulted from 1994 um, on. And so I'm still at the university teaching a class or two, um, and I love it. And so that's kind of the history around it. So um, it was – I fell in love with this, and I've been in love with this whole creativity business for 40 years. And you speak to corporations about this topic all the time, correct? All the time. Yes, absolutely. All the time. So let's get that out of the way right away. Uh, Where's the best place for people to learn more about you? Because they should write this down now because they're going to want to follow up. So I have two websites, but you tell me the one that you want people to reach you at. I would go to rogerfierstein.com. That's R-O-G-E-R-F-I-R-E-S-T-I-E-N.com. And on that, you can uh, read about uh, Creating a Flash, uh, take a look at some of our programs that we're doing. There's lots of videos there, lots of free downloadable videos uh, where we have, where we give examples of people that are doing this work in creativity and in agriculture, in business, in medicine, in in the church, um, in, in all different aspects of life, in economic development, where they're actually applying this creative process process to become deliberately creative uh, in all those aspects of life. And then we also show you how to go through this creative problem-solving process, which is essentially the recipe for innovation. So two words pop into my brain, creativity mm-hmm. and innovation. Yeah. Are they the same thing? You know, here's that is a question that people ask all the time, and here's the way I come at it. Um, there is no innovation without creativity. Creativity is the spark that ignites innovation. Oftentimes we say that creativity is getting the idea and innovation is doing something about it. And today, um, you know, it's, it's also interesting is that people um, are not so sure about this creativity thing. They want innovation, uh, but, you know, they say creativity, that's kind of artsy. I'm not so sure about that. Mm. But you need to have the creativity first, then that moves to the innovation. Creativity is the spark. Creativity is the initial insight. Creativity is looking at a challenge in an entirely different way to solve the problem. And then the innovation is really making it happen and then continuing to make it happen over and over again. You know, Marty, I don't really make a distinction between the two. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah the I was listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you threw me off there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and I do listen. <laughs> All right. So creativity and innovation, uh, you gave us a good answer to that. So we are talking about the creative problem-solving process. And so in my world, in our business audience, we're going to think in terms of business at this point in time. Yes. Um, So how important is it for the leaders of the organization to, I guess I'll use the word, buy into the creative problem-solving process? Well, 
let me give you an example of something that didn't work. And this is about 20 years ago now. And I was doing some work at a major hospital in the Philadelphia area. And this is when people were very much into the quality movement. And we were putting creativity in with the quality movement, applying creativity tools to the quality movement. And the head administrator, the president of the hospital came in and he said, Dr. Firestein is here today. He's here to talk to us about creativity. This is really important because creativity is part of what we're doing. It's in our organizational values. It's in our mission. And I begin the presentation. And Marty, about 20 minutes later, I see this guy walk out of the room. Right? <laughs> and at the break, you know what people came up and told me? They said, this is really great. He should have heard that. Right? It's got to start from the top because it's mm. the leader that has to model the way. It's the leader that has to play around with those ideas. It's the leader that has to make some mistakes. It's the leader that has to be able to nurture those ideas so that when people come to him, he is not going to immediately reject an idea. He's mm. first going to take a look at what's good about the idea and then deal with the concerns of the issues. And mm. in many cases, in the organizations where this has worked successfully, Clorox is one example, the leader of this organization actually had more training than anybody else in the organization in creative problem-solving methods. And we were actually training people to facilitate and run creativity sessions. And I remember Barry said, he was the name of the leader, he said, I'll probably never run a creativity session, but I never want to be a blocker to the creativity, the innovation, and the ideas of people are coming my way. So a leader has to be actually more educated because if he's not educated in this process, he's essentially what we call process illiterate. All of his people are doing this great creativity stuff, but when it gets to him, it's like, well, that's yeah. not the problem we want to solve. That's not the idea I wanted to work on. Yeah. He needs to be part of that whole thing. So, yes, that's that's the bad example. And the good example is when people are – when the leader is really involved in learning these skills. Okay, but you know as well as I do that there's people going to be listening to this say, well, but my boss is, uh, is a goofball. <laughs> so so – um, so can can I start this in my department? Can I be talking? Can I read your book? Can I go to all the videos that you have at createinaflashbook.com and mm -hmm. kind of start? Can I be an innovator myself and be creative myself within maybe my own department? Talk to me about that. Marty, go to page 114 in my book, Creating a Flash, all right? <laughs> there you and go. The title that, yeah, and the title of that page is You Want to Infuse Creativity in Your Organization and the Boss Isn't Interested. We actually talk about a fellow named Dick Donovan uh, who worked for a major bank in the area. And what he did was he was in charge of all of the uh, recovery work. And so when the bank systems went down, his, his team was there to put things back online. He had a team of about six or seven people. He was taking courses with me at the uh, Center for Creativity and Change leadership at Buffalo State. And he said when he would learn something, he would apply it with his group of people. And so what he did was he essentially created a pocket of light in the organization. Pocket. People wanted Say that again, Roger. Yeah. He What's created that? what? He, he created a pocket of light in his organization. Love that. Right? Great. Yeah, a pocket of light. And so people actually wanted to work for his division. They were one of the most successful divisions in the organization. They had a lot of fun doing what they were doing. Uh, the work stress, they, they were under very, very stressful situations, but they had a lot, there was a lot of humor going on. And they were using techniques where like pluses and potentials and concerns, where you look at the strengths of the idea first before you destroy it. They were using methods of like generating lots of ideas. And so essentially what he did was he said, look, I don't care if upper management is going to be involved in this or not. My team, my group of people that I spend most of my time with at work, we're going to be creative. And they made a significant difference in the organization. And I, would, ass I would assume that it rippled out and uh, throughout the organization to a point, yeah. right? 
Yeah, and we use sort of the, the contagion approach, and so people begin to say, hey, what's going on right over there? What, what are you guys doing that's cool over there? You guys are having a lot of fun while you were working. <laughs> what are you doing? You yeah. know? You're and having a lot of fun, these, and you're effective. Yeah. Mm. And you're effective. A lot of fun, and you're effective. Yes. Yes. So let's let's talk a little bit about the process. And again, the whole book is about these four steps. But uh, so it's going to be unfair. But there are four <laughs> steps that you have here. So you're gonna you're gonna give me the I'll call it the Reader's Digest variety. <laughs> Step one: clarify the problem. Step two: generate ideas. Step three: develop solutions. Step four: plan for action. So clarify the problem. Talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, oftentimes what you think is the problem isn't the problem at all. Mm. And in Marty and my work with corporations and organizations over the last 40 years, when I go in and facilitate sessions, there has been one instance, one instance, where what they thought was the real problem was actually the real problem. Mm. All the rest of the time, where they started was a symptom, was a goal. And so the first thing we do is look to redefine what the problem is. And the way we do that is we generate lots of different definitions of the problem. Now, I'm sure your listeners are from familiar with the brainstorming technique where you generate lots and lots of ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Don't judge those ideas, just get them out. Go for quantity. We can talk more about that in a second. But in this case, what we recommend that you do is you generate many different ways to state the problem. And we actually have you begin those, we call them creative questions. So when you're working on this, you use phrases like how to, you know, how to, how to, how to reduce the cost, how to raise the money, or in what ways might we, or how might we. Mm -hmm. And by phrasing the questions in that way, it opens your mind up to begin to look for solutions. And there's a big difference between saying we don't have any money or it's going to be too expensive as opposed to how to raise the money or how might we reduce the cost. Mm -hmm. Those first two statements, they block your thinking. Mm -hmm. They send a message to your brain. There aren't any ideas out there. So why bother even looking for those ideas? Those two questions provoke your mind to begin to think about ideas. Mm -hmm. So the first step is generate lots of creative questions, all right? Then select the creative question that really gets to the root of the issue, the really, really, real big challenge. And what we usually take a look at is what's the major obstacle preventing you from getting to your goal? Then generate some ideas. And what we recommend is generating about 25, 30 ideas for solving this challenge. If you have a well-trained group, you can do that in five minutes or less. Mm. Um, and defer judgment. Don't judge the ideas. Strive for quantity. Make connections with new ideas. Build on other ideas. Then once you have an array of ideas generated, then select the best of those ideas. Refine those ideas using what we call a technique called pluses and potentials and concerns. And this is in the develop ideas or develop solution stage of the process, where instead of taking a look at what's wrong with the idea first, take a look at what's good about the idea first. Mm -hmm. Then what potential is there in the idea? And then what are the concerns or other challenges associated with that idea overcome those challenges. What that does is that that polishes up the idea. It makes it stronger and then gets it ready to move into the plan for action stage. Very simply there, Marty, this is where you create a to-do list. What are all the things you need to do to make your idea happen? Mm -hmm. Generate them, generate actions, select the best of those actions, and then put them into a step-by-step -step plan for action. And the thing that really drives this process is divergent thinking, coming up with lots and lots and lots of options, and then converging and selecting those options. So that's really kind of the heartbeat of the process. Yeah, so it was one of the key takeaways for me, and I did read the book and made lots Thank of you. notes. Um, Thank you. I'm not sure like where it says this, but CPS, or creative problem solving, is not just about generating ideas. It is also about clearly identifying the best problem to solve. And you said that right at the very beginning, clarify the problem. I think that is so important 
and uh, I've witnessed it in corporations, as you have, they want to get through something quick. We got an hour strategic planning meeting to set the direction of the company for the rest of the decade. Let's do it in an hour. Well, maybe if we had this process, maybe it can get started, but... I love the idea of that. By the way, I want to make sure that everybody uh, gets this website, createinaflashbook.com, createinaflashbook.com. Information, videos, how-tos. My God, this guy is giving away the secret sauce. What are you doing that for, Roger? <laughs> well, Marty, a couple things. Let me first respond to your first comment about uh, finding out what the real problem is. Most leaders loathe doing this, and I yes. have to hold them back. You know, yes. They want to jump to action. And the question is, you're going to spend all this time and money solving the wrong problem. Let's take 20 minutes, and let's figure out what the real problem is first. Yep. And then everything goes a lot smoother. Yep. Why am I giving all those videos away? Why am I giving those P downloadable PDFs away? Well, Marty, as you've read in the book, um, this is sort of a culmination, I think, of my, my 40 years in this business. I haven't written a book in 20 years, and I decided I was really going to put it all out there. So I hold nothing back in the book. Uh, I give people the my go-to creativity techniques that work consistently time after time. I put the videos out there. So if people want to use this stuff and do this stuff, they can do it. Um, their videos are free because unfortunately, Marty, when something like innovation or something like that takes off in the world, there are people out there that have maybe been to a conference or two, read a book on innovation or creativity, and all of a sudden hung up their shingle as an innovation consultant and they're doing some damage. I want people <laughs> – yeah. You know, I'm I with you. Want, yeah. Yeah. You've, yeah you've, you've seen those people, all right? Yeah. And I, so yeah. what I want to do is, is make this accessible to as many people as possible so that they can use it in their businesses so that your leaders, you know, whether they buy the book or not, hopefully they'll buy the book. That'd be great. But they can go to the website. They can learn some things. They can some gather some information about how they can infuse innovation, creativity into their organizations to not only make more money, but to help their people have, have richer, fuller lives. And so that's where I'm at. And I've been very blessed in my life. And this is my way of giving this stuff back. So um, that's that's why we're giving the store away. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's super work. The book is Create in a Flash. A leader's recipe for breakthrough innovation, and um, it's step by step. I mean, you can go to the website and get all that information. And again, I judge when I read a book because I need to write a book. I'm a defensive reader, Roger. I have to read all this stuff to uh -huh. uh, my guests, but I am not always taught something new. Um, your book and your work taught me something new. I want you to go uh, several things new. I want mm -hmm. you to tell me more about this forced connections concept. Explain I, that to I, me. Forced connections concept. I love that. Talk to me. I love that. Well, here's the way it works. Um, you see, the whole creative process is really on making connections. And let me kind of give you a story about this. Um, just real quick. I mean, the, the connection that led to the Nike waffle trainer was a waffle iron, right? The mm. connection that led to uh, a pacemaker was seeing a traffic flasher flashing. So, um, for example, what we do is you take a look at the problem that you're working on, go to something completely unrelated, and make a connection from that to come up with a new idea. Here's a real-life example that we talk about in the book. Um, and this is a story about a General Motors forge plant up here in western New York. And what this plant makes is ring gears. Now, a ring gear changes the direction of power in your car. It's in your differential in the back. brings power in from one direction takes it out the wheels. Now, 
The way you make a ring gear is you take a hot piece of metal that looks like a donut, put it into a die with a press and 50 tons of pressure, and the ring gear comes out the other side. Now, unfortunately, what happened was the ring gears were getting stuck in the dies. The operators would put a slab of grease on the dies. The dies would break. They were breaking uh, 10 of these a week, and they were costing $5,000 a piece, a $50,000 a week problem, big problem. Mm. Now, a number of folks, we trained a number of folks in creative problem solving at this uh, at this uh, plant. And so one day, toward the end of the shift, uh, the folks over there got together and they said, let's work on this ring gear problem. And so they started, and so they had people, they gathered Marty, anybody they could who was who had been taught this creative problem solving process. And they had about four hours worth of training of that. And so they defined the problem as how to prevent the ring gears from getting stuck in the dive. Very well-defined problem. They started generating some ideas. And as often happens, you sort of slow down in the process. So you kind of look around the room. You make some connections. You come up with things that aren't related at all. And in this session, there was a fellow that said, you know what? We've got a sticking problem here. You know, my wife has got this vegetable product. It's called Pam. You know, you spray it on the pans and the vegetables don't stick to the pan. Why don't we spray the dyes with Pam? Now, there was a chemical engineer in the group, and his eyes lit up. He said, you know, Pam probably won't work, but a soap and oil solution will probably do the trick. So they get a dollar spray bottle, 50 cents worth of solution, mix it up, spray it on the dyes, dyes don't break. A dollar fifty solution saves this organization $50,000 a week, $200,000 a month. Wow. Now, yeah, and the connection that they made from that was like a home cooking product making an industrial application. So yeah. that's the whole thing behind it. And the, and the beautiful thing about this is, is for your readers, um, you know, some takeaways is the best place to get new ideas is not from the people that you talk to all the time. Amen. Yeah, Amen. It's from different people, which is why yes. the work that you're doing is so crucial. So, um, you know, if you want to get new ideas, talk to different people. Um, and then if you also want to get new ideas, uh, don't be a slug. Right. And uh, <laughs> where that comes from. That's yes. in the book, so right? <laughs> these engineers are not sitting in school and saying, let's use Pam. Um, right. Exactly. They're no, just not. not. And, no, and so exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got That's, to throw this out there. Follow this process that you're suggesting in your book and in the videos. And um, I've experienced it, Roger, not using all the detail, but I've experienced it. And so I'm this is such a perfect time of year as far as I'm concerned. You know, there may be some companies who have already done their strategic planning or their visioning and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of smaller companies are just kind of starting that. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and so the end of the year, first of the year, this is such a wonderful time, folks. To really look at this book, look at these videos, this could really change the way you go to market. This could change a lot of things. This could fix a lot of things. This is a ticket to creativity slash innovation. Wow, that was a hell of a commercial for you, Roger. <laughs> Marty, that's fantastic. Man, I got I to gotta send you an invoice for that one. You <laughs> <Please> know? do. <laughs> hey, listen, my guest has been, this, this has been a blast. Uh, my guest has been Dr. Roger Firestein. I want to spell his last name. It's F-I-R-E-S-T-I-E-N, Roger Firestein. You can go to rogerfirestein.com to learn more about him. If you want to hire him, if you want to bring him in to speak to your group, you can do that. He's given away the secret sauce. Just go to createinaflashbook.com, createinaflashbook.com. Again, he is willingly giving away the secret sauce, but what great work, Roger. Thank you so much for, the, for your contribution to business and uh, to our lives. So thanks so much. Marty, thank you very much. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builders Show. To learn more about me and I'm Marty Wolf, go to 
MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder, you can find all our Business Builders shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. 